Welcome to the Real Estate Hustle Podcast. My name is Andre Chin, broker owner, real estate investor, mega agent, and real estate coach. We're going to be tackling all things real estate, bringing you guests from all across North America, mega agents, mega teams, and we're going to be diving deep into their businesses to figure out how they got to where they are and how they consistently bring that hustle into their business every single day. Buckle up. Our podcast starts now. All right, guys, thanks for joining us again. We've got Craig Zuber from Zuber Group on with us today out of Austin, Texas. This is our first out of Canada guest with the podcast, and thanks for joining us on The Real Estate Hustle. Craig, welcome. It's great to have you on. Awesome. Thanks, Andre. Thanks for having me. So, so how long have you been in real estate, Craig? My entire life, man. I'm third generation, both sides of my family, so 46 years old. Wow. Wow, that's that's impressive. Now I know. I mean, for those listening, Craig is my personal real estate coach. We've been together for three and a half years, or just over three years, I believe. And this is the man that's helped me do it all, so to speak. So I think when we got together, Craig said to me, "Stick with me for five years. I'll give you a million. And well, we're at one point five in GCI. So I think he knows what he's talking about. Now, Craig, you've done everything from running a team starting as a solo agent i think at one point you were living in hawaii now you're back in austin texas what's that journey been like for you to get to this point um rewarding simply put challenging rewarding fulfilling you know all the way across the board right a lot of lessons learned along the way a lot of mistakes a lot of uh Oh man, I wish I wouldn't have done that. Uh, and grateful for all the experiences that have been accomplished along the way. That's awesome. Well, one of the things we've been we've been hearing a lot of is you know this real estate world is is so massive, right? I mean, from from coaching to investments to running a team to being a solo agent to being on a team, OPs, team leaders, et cetera, et cetera. You're you're a full time coach now. Do you still sell or do you just help agents crush it? Uh, I do not sell. I've been out of production now for just over five years. Uh, And really, I I stepped into the arena of selling real estate back in 2004. So that would be 16 years now. And was in full-fledged production for just over 11 years before transitioning into what what morphed itself into the passion of of helping others uh, through coaching. So... During those 11 years, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dial in on that for a little bit. What was that journey like from, from zero to one of the top teams in the nation? Um, and then being able to sell that team, if I'm not mistaken. You know, walk, walk me through that journey. Where would you start? Where would you finish? And what made you decide to get out of sales? So, you know, if I go back to, if I go back to the beginning, um, I actually came out of, I came out of California into Idaho. So what's interesting at that point was I didn't really, I didn't have a personal database in Idaho to tap into, to build, to build the business. Um, and at that point I was with the boutique. It was a, it was a, the largest boutique in Boise, Idaho at the time it was group one and they didn't take on new agents. And I had interviewed with them. I had learned their story and I basically shared with them. I was a real estate agent or third generation, both sides of my family. I mean, technically that doesn't really mean anything. It's just, it's a great story. It just sounds good. Sounds good. Yeah. And, uh, but I had a business background and I was on a mission and there wasn't anything that was going to stop me. So basically they, they decided to bring me aboard. And that the very first year, it was something like the very first year, once they said, yes, hey, we'll bring you aboard, they at, you know, so what's the goal? Like, what are you going to get accomplished? Right. And I'm like, I'm going to sell at that time, property value, like the median price point in Boise, Idaho is like 150,000. Right. So I said, well, I'm going to sell, you know, $10 million in my first year. Oh. And they were like, it, he goes, how it was wrong. It was, this guy's name was Ron at the time. And he goes, well, how are you going to do that? And I literally said, I have no, I have no idea, but it won't take me very long to figure it out. And, and he, he knows he laughs. He could probably tell the story way better than me because he also knows that I didn't hit it. Right. I ended up at 9.7 million in vo- in closed volume and 43 uh, or yeah, 43 closed homes, 9.3 back in 2004. 
that's that that was my start really um now this is this is post post coming out of the military or, or yeah so, so, got it got it got it so so we fall just a little short of the goal what did, what was that like i mean at that point it was fine right because i i knew to talk i, I laugh about it because i wasn't like all beaten up that i didn't hit the 10 it was really all right now i'm off to the races i've learned a lot what's next um, but you know, in a nutshell though, what does it take to accomplish that in the first year at that moment in time? I laugh about it because I, well, I tell people the only thing I did is I worked half days. That was all I did right from seven in the morning to 7 PM nonstop is what I did. And, and I was on the phone the entire time connecting with people because I had no choice, man. I, like there was no plan B. There was no other option. I wasn't looking at, well, if this doesn't work out, then I'm going to go do this. This was non-negotiable for me. Right. Right. So I was just on a mission to, I had to learn the area. So I was up first thing out of the morning, uh, first thing in the morning, I would be exercising. I was studying the market as much as I possibly can. I, be, I had to become a student of like what this market is, what these areas are. I, I studied like the, the area itself to like why live here i needed to know you know all the benefits of living in that area alone i picked everybody's brain anybody that would would listen or hear like i i went with them i would shadow with them uh that was it man love it love it and and so when you when you say become a student of the game um anyone listening what, what does that mean i mean you're are you visiting properties every day like what does that look like Every single day. Yep. I, I would pick a subdivision. I would tour that subdivision. I would take my notes on that subdivision. What I learned out of that. Um, then I, I would look at the hot sheet and say, well, what were the median prices just in that subdivision alone? Cause I was, I was looking to learn the area looking uh, to learn why this you, why this place versus this place. Right. Uh, anything I could possibly learn to get ahead and be knowledgeable for the people that I would be helping. Right. Now, now, when you say you had no choice, there was no backup plan. Was that, was that designed? Did you, did you design it that way or it was just, this was just it? No, I mean, everybody, I get it. Like everybody has a choice, but for me in my mind, I had to create the element that there was no, well, what if this doesn't work out? Like that was my mindset did not, it does not function that way. Right. Right. So, so to the point where just, this is it or it's nothing kind of, kind of thing. Was, was Nicole in with you at the time or was it just you? Nope. That's a great question. So, um, so basically if I rewind just a little bit before I, before I actually, the license was delivered. So I, let me give you some insight here before the license was actually delivered to me that I could actually practice and sell real estate. Right. I was not waiting for that day to figure out how I was going to get this accomplished. So for the 60 days prior to the license being delivered, I was on the phone connecting, building relationships, connecting with all my past business, like people that own businesses, letting them know about the area, letting them know what I was doing, letting them know what I was learning, why this was a great place, why I chose to make the decision, why I made that move. So day one, on day one, I get my real estate license. That's the same day I wrote my first offer. Oh, I like that, that offer got accepted and it was a 45 day close. By the time that property closed, I had nine properties under contract. Machine. So it wasn't waiting. There was nothing to wait for, right? Like, oh, I got to wait for this. I got to wait for that. Like, why? Yeah. Just, just right? get started. Yeah. So when I jumped in and I got that, like, well, I'm not a, I'm not the detailed guy. Like I'm the, I'm the visionary. Let's go make things happen. Let's develop these relationships. So all of a sudden, if you can imagine somebody, somebody coming into the industry now has nine properties under contract. My bride's going, where are you? And what are you doing? How come you're not home? And, and I'm and I got paperwork coming out my ears. I got folders. I got stuff all over my car. Typical realtor. Typical, <laughs> right? And so that's how the, the transition of that was actually Nicole wanted to get her real estate license before I actually had made the decision to do it. So when she saw that in that first three months, it was like, I'm in, I'm going, she was helping me she was already helping me get organized and get, get my life figured out. And we got, she got licensed legitimately. Like, I don't know, it ended up being like the fourth month or three and a half months right after I had gotten mine. Wow. And, and so you guys, you guys do this thing together for, I think I heard 11 years. 
um, total, or, or was it six, 16 years total full production? Um, what was that journey like? Well, if even staying with this piece right here, it was, so she comes in to help. And when she came in to help, she was such a great asset, right? Like that's your leverage piece. It's such a great asset that she's learning the business. We're going side by side. She's taking things off my plate that you fast forward just about nine months after that. And we were both like really, we were busy and we hired our first additional assistant from there. So we built this organ. We built what we built organically based on the business, that, the business that we were serving. We just, right. we needed help. Right. And, uh, and so by our second year, like it didn't take us very long. It was like, it was our transition into the second year with that assistant. Like that was painful. I'm like, Oh my gosh, how am I going to teach an assistant? Well, it wasn't that we taught an assistant is that we, is that we officed with her in our same room. She listened to every single conversation. She was with us side by side. It was, I do it, we do it. She learned everything about it. And so painful for three months and then magical after that. And so then we didn't have what we have today, right? You didn't have all those training courses and systems and models and and you guys are, are figuring it out from the ground up. We were figuring it out. Yeah, we were figuring it out. We were making a lot of mistakes and we were, we were having a lot of fun doing it, right? Because just after, on our second year, we had done right. uh, over 100 transactions on our second year and we didn't really have a whole lot of it figured out. Kids at this point? Um, yes. So when we moved to Boise right out of the gate, that was, that was moving out of California to Boise. Idaho. So my son was one and transitioning into two at the time. And now I'm, you know, I'm saying that crazy because a reflection of you know, I'm figuring out what college is about to go to and accept it in the next month. Yeah. I was going to say, I mean, it couldn't have been easy doing that. And then, you know, 18 years later, 19 years later, he's off, he's going off to school uh, or sort of 16 years later, he's going off to school. That is, that is impressive. I, I don't know very many people that do a hundred transactions in their second year, yet alone, yet alone 50 in the first. Mm-hmm. What was your mindset like? First of all, I didn't do 50. Let's be clear. I didn't make that. 47. <laughs> 47. <laughs> uh, it, it, was, it, was, it was good. And um, it, it was, there was challenges, right? Like, so you start doing that. And then, again, the organic growth of the organization happened because people were, newer agents were watching what was happening and other people were watching. Because that hadn't, that they hadn't really seen that happen in Boise, Idaho before. And, and I had come from transitioning out of an industry and in California where everything was hustle, hustle, hustle. You want to talk about this? That's what it was, right? So I felt like I get to Idaho and I'm not slowing down, but it was slower there at the time. Right. But that, that had to be an opportunity, right? Everybody else is moving slow and you're coming in charging, ready to go. Was that, 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 was that an advantage or did that kind of make you guys outcasts? It was a major, it was a major advantage. And then, so people were coming to me for help and I was helping them like, Hey, helping them with their first transaction, helping them look at certain things and just telling, I was helping them as much as I could. Cause it wasn't like I had all this figured out. I'm still new at this. I just knew that if you focused on the person and focused on the relationship and you, in the simplest form, if you care enough about the people and you listen to what they're, you ask them what they're looking for, you, you listen to them and that you help them make great decisions, everything else will start to fall into place. So that was my focus for the clients. And then we started, like I started creating opportunities for these agents asking for help. Like, look, I, I got a, a little, I got an extra person here or there that needs some help. Are you willing to help out? Right. They would take it and run with it. And that's how they became members of the Oregon. Building a team at that point in 2005 in Boise, Idaho, that didn't, that was not a, that was a foreign concept. Yeah, that wasn't a thing. We, we really didn't have a lot of teams back then um, or anyone even, even really talking that way, so to speak, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so you're, not only that, you're, you're a pioneer for, for this whole team thing that we're all doing. And, and so two years in, having a great time. And I love that you said you're having fun because I don't know that everybody is still having fun in real estate. I talked to a lot of agents that are just like, man, this thing is exhausting. How's your, how are you keeping your mindset tip, tip top shape all the way through this? I wasn't, I mean, right. Because 
my I think my mindset was in a really great spot until you get hit with things that you just weren't either aware of, prepared for, didn't have the wisdom, or maybe I didn't have coaching at that time, didn't have the right partner at that time, didn't have somebody that was able to look and forecast like, hey, so you know, you fast forward and things are going great, but I'm making decisions at that moment in time that I probably that I know I wouldn't be making today. Right. right? I'm flying too close to the sun. I'm now like egos getting in the way and you know, hiring way too fast and bringing on too many people that, ne that never, that I never should have not behaving in the right manner. Uh, like everything was great. And then it wasn't. Okay. Yeah. And that's, that's how fast that happened. Cause, cause I mean, you guys looking at the timeline, 2005, 2006, and then you go into like, you know, recession, like this is right after that. Right. So what, what's, how are you doing that? So you're making all these mistakes and, and I hear you saying, and I feel like you're, you're shining a flashlight on me a little bit here. Cause I know we've talked about all of this stuff and, and then a recession hits. Um, yeah. So basically, I mean, to put it lightly at that moment in time, I can tell you that, you know, we had like 27 pendings on the board at the time. And the phone call came in that the secondary market didn't exist any longer. So you get one phone call that changes the entire trajectory of where you're at. So you have 27 contracts ready to close and 23 of them evaporate in a day. And somebody that's not like, you know, you think about that and you, I could stay in silence for people to really consider that like, okay, so driver's going to, okay, I got to figure out what the, I got to overcome this. There's got to be solutions to this. There wasn't a solution. Yeah, it's, it's gone. Yeah, it's gone. Well, and, and to put it into today's perspective, I mean, that, that today would be $230,000 in income. Just just see you later. Have a good day. Yeah. And, and that's at the time where, remember, when, so I was, I was way better. I understood business, but I was nowhere near the business person that I am today to be able to see those types of things, project obstacles, uh, slow down and reflect of the learnings. And right. So, so you lose, you know, that amount of pendings and you lose that amount of pendings in a day, knowing that almost 85% of your business was coming out of the secondary market. So not just did you lose them, you also lost all the future business that you projected that you had. Right. And you, and your expenses, that's, that's the issue is my expenses has gotten up at that point. You know, I was, I was at a point then quickly expenses up to almost like 35,000. So you lose, you get $35,000 on a monthly basis and you lose, you know, 90% of your pipeline. Yeah. And it, it's, it's a fascinating experience. Yeah. Wow. And, fascinating. And how long did you guys stay there? I mean, I, I know the story and, and I know you guys kind of pivoted and, and there were some hard times through that. Is this sort of that defining moment for, for Zuber group and, and Craig and this made the change or, was just like one blip on the on the path well that was a blip but you don't know you, you know when you're in it you never know like okay so you start making some adjustments and you start figuring out what's actually going on out there so obviously we're having to cut as fast as possible um similar to this year right global, global pandemic type type stuff it was yeah when we got hit with the asteroid back in march right like it's like now oh wow that that significant awareness now starts to get you into maybe i should have been doing this the whole time it's the same kind of situation it makes you look of, about like hey what's important what's not important um what has to go you know things like that right like what what am i absolutely i need it this is a i don't necessarily need it that much and this was a luxury luxury stuff is gone like instantly the ah, I can live without it, that becomes gone. And now you're living in survival mode. Right. Right. Well, I, I know for us, I mean, we had gone through it and we were talking to you I and mean, we were cutting hard. And I think we, we shaved almost 15% off, off our expenses. Um, the second, third, third week of March. And, and we just started cutting everything. And I think it was Gary that said, you know, change your credit card number. That'll tell you who, who you need to pay or whatever. Right. So we did that, changed the credit card number, reported it stolen right away. Um, and then cut all the non-essentials. And so we, not only are we having one of our best years to some of that advice, but we're also leaner than we've ever been. And now you can kind of make those decisions. Like, do I bring stuff back? Do I leave it off the table? What's essential? What's non-essential as, as you kind of go forward? So, yeah. so, so what happens next? I mean, what, what are you guys doing now? Your, your pipeline's gone to 90%. Are you guys okay? Like, are you guys functioning? 
Um, it wasn't that we were okay or not. It was legitimately, I'm going to figure this out. Right. So it wasn't like I went in recluse or anything like that, but it was a lot of tough decisions. Right. So, I mean, and that, that happened, like I can make this sound like, you know, this just came and gone. This was not, this was a very, very humbling and painful experience that happened and transitioned over. How bad did it get? A three years. Uh, oh yeah, a three-year period of time. It was a it was a three-year transition of grinding and figuring it out, borrowing here, making enough it, to pay that back, doing this and do, like I mean, literally, it was a full-fledged grind. And you know, another piece. Of, uh, this is another piece of the equation. Is like Group One at the time when I when I started in Idaho. That was like my home. That was like ethos that felt good, felt home. Well, one of the partners had transitioned and retired out. And when that happened, it was almost like some of the glue had kind of stepped out of the building. Right. At the time, because we were, we, we were doing the things that we were doing, we were approached by another real estate team that specialized in new construction. They had, they had, the, they had the developers and the relationships with uh, new construction. And they approached me because they're like, look, you, you obviously know how to build a real estate team in an organization. We have the relationships with the developers and the land. Maybe we could figure out a way to come together. Long, like this was a long story short, but that, that was too premature. We ended up being asked to leave group one because they thought we were going to go out and open up our own brokerage and then take all of our people, their people with them. None of that was true but that put me in a really bad spiral. So I lost my, basically, I lost my ethos. I lost my home. And yeah. so I went to another brokerage and then I had, a, I owned a Century 21 and I could tell you all these mistakes of like jumping in too quickly and not, not doing it for the right reasons and not paying attention to the right things. And anyway, you fast forward all, those, all of that. And yeah, it got pretty bad, man. Like in a nutshell, our, we got to a place where we were worth negative $842,000. Our net worth was negative 842,000. We got to a humbling place, a very humbling place where I had to reach out to investor clients and ask them, you know, we're in the short sale market and things like that. Like I had to sell my primary house and move into investor rentals and do that with my kids in transition. So right. moving, moving, losing your primary houses, losing all the investment properties, uh, having to move out into rental properties of your clients for three months at a time is everything that we went through to learn this freaking un unbelievable lesson. Wow. Wow. And, and I don't know that I, I, I've heard a piece of that story. I don't know that I, I'd even realized that it, it had gotten that bad. Um, and, and I, but I'm glad we went there because I know a lot of realtors are feeling that this year. I know there's a ton of people and they might not even know it yet. I mean, we've had deferrals on mortgages. We've had a lot of different things, government help, et cetera, et cetera. But there is going to come a point where, you know, 2020 in this global pandemic is going to put a lot of people, realtors specifically, into some, some, some pretty dire straits. And so, you know, you're staring down the barrel of negative 800 plus. How do you get out of that? So um, in 2010, it was, I know this vividly because if I rewind myself a little bit, I woke up in Vegas in 2009 in a bad spot. And I, I woke up. the show for that, Craig. We're talking about, that? I said, I don't know if this is the show for that. We're talking about waking up in Vegas. In <laughs> woke up in Vegas in 2009 and I was like, something's got to give. I lost my way. I like I, I forgot where I I forgot where I came from I forgot I, I don't know what I'm doing like I literally I'm like what the hell and so when I came home from Vegas I reached out to some people and I literally you know good bad or ugly I've written I wrote my I, I needed to figure something out and I wrote a book I wrote my way out of hell that's what I did I wrote the path I needed to go back and reflect go back to all the things that got me to where I was at that reflection was Okay, where am I currently at? I'm in the freaking trenches and it feels like somebody's got their freaking, you know, their boot on my throat and I need to write my way out of it. So that's what I did. I wrote my first book. It took me six months to do it, but I wrote that through the process. But again, sounds great, is great, great lesson. Glad I did it. 
but that it's that was a distraction to what I should have been doing with creating more relationships in real estate and figuring that out. So in 2000, so book gets launched in 2010 and, and I'm still just wavering back and forth. That was a whole part of the whole loss and process that right. in, that in December of 2010, my bride comes in and drops all the files. We, I became the short sales specialist. I was negotiating with banks. I was, you name it at that moment in time I was doing it. And the challenge was, is that I care so much about people that I felt like this was such a challenging time that even if I do everything right and I help you transition, people are still crying at the closing table. Uh, they're crying. They're not, even though they're grateful internally, they're losing everything. And it was just a challenging time. It was just challenging. So my bride drops all these files on my plate, like, you know, 15, or it was probably more than that at the bottom. I don't know. She knows the number better. Like here's 20 short sale files, boom, drops them on my, on my desk on December of 2010 and basically says, I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. Yeah. And uh, so that was a defining, that I would say that's a defining moment, but no, because my pain tolerance was so high, it took a little bit longer, right? right. So fast forward yourself to January 11th, which was about just over a month later, January 11th, I'm, I'm in my car and I stop. I, I'm like, I was headed to the office and I stop and I turn and I drive and I go to the subdivision that had nobody in it and I pull over and I'm like, I surrendered, man. I freaking threw my arms in there and I said, I'm surrendered. I'm freaking lost. I don't know what to do. I, I literally don't have the answers and I don't know what to do. And I had a journal next to me and I freaking pulled it out and I just started writing. I just started writing and writing what everything I was grateful for, the lessons that I'd learned, what I believed was my skill set, what I was really great at. I just went and went and went and wrote until I couldn't write anymore. Balled my eyes out, threw my arms in the air. And then I, and then I felt better that I did that. And literally, it, it, I don't know, it didn't even take a day after surrendering that somebody in KW that, um, that I had a relationship with had reached out and said, what are you doing now? Yeah. And, I'm, and they're like, look, we need CEOs and we need business builders like you in the organization. What are you doing? I'm like, literally, within a 24-hour period, that call comes in after me surrendering. And, uh, so I joined, so basically I joined KW March 1st of 2011. And, um, I wouldn't say that, you know, everything just changed overnight, but like I got introduced to bold and, and the entire trajectory started to shift itself with the right people and Erica Hill, which is a, um, OP of, of Boise. She's a mentor and just, unbelievable woman uh, you know she helped me see things differently helped my bride see things differently you know brought me into the systems and the models and the coaching and the, the guidance that I was actually looking for you know probably six years back and decided I'm too stubborn to actually go ask for help at that moment in time and finally I mean you're a realtor you, you don't know it all you didn't, you didn't come into this business with all the information and the know-how no <laughs> Fair. So, so how long did it take you to get out of the hole from, from that point forward? You know, it's a great question on it. And I would say it took a couple of years to get it all, to get my, I'll tell you a couple of lessons. One of them was, is that right when I was getting on my feet, right when I was about to get things turned around, I got sued. Like literally the ball is moving forward. Lawsuit. And now the suit comes in. And, and I lost. And everybody that knew the entire story knew 100% that we were going to win that. And that was the next humbling moment of like, okay, so I could go into victim mode or I could go into gratitude mode. And what happened is Eric Hill stepped back in and said, at the time, the lawsuit is the money that you like, the money that is owed is due effective immediately. So what we did is we set something up on a repayment program like that was quickly off the top, you know, 10% of everything goes to repayment. Well, moral of that story was here's the gratitude behind it. That thing that got paid back very, very quickly. And we, and then we just never stopped it. 
we never stopped the 10 off the top going. And that became our, you know, profit first. That became our domino. That became, holy crap, you turn around and go, well, if I can pay that back in, in a couple of months, just doing that, you know, <clears throat> well, then that's how we started it. So we started, it started with a 10, but then we actually did 10, 10 and 10, which is 30% off the top and 10 went for eliminating debt and 10 went for financial freedom and 10 went for um, taxes. So it was start doing that, start, start taking basically 30% off the top, wow. live within everything else. And then, and that's where the trajectory started to shift. Wow. Okay. So that, the financial piece started to shift by doing that. The team stuff was still a little challenging because I did, because what I thought I did was build the team wrong the first time. And it took me a year to figure out, I'm trying to rebuild the, the way I did it before. And it was just screwed up and I was wrong. And so that was a whole nother evolution of change to finally me reflecting again, going, wait a minute. I didn't screw it up the first time. I actually was doing it all right. It's just once I got to a point and it got to your head, then you started skipping steps. So go back to the foundational piece, go back to like your ethos, go back to who you are, go back to like caring about people, go back to digging into their soul and figure out how you can help them. Right. That, that was the change, man. That's awesome. That's, that's, thank you for sharing. That's, that's a great, great story. And, and I mean, kind of the rise and the fall and then the fall further and then, and then the rise again, which is, which is really neat. And, and all these years I've known some of that story. I don't know that I knew it at the level that you just shared. That's, that's pretty cool. Where, where you, when you look at real estate today, I mean, obviously 16 years of, of, of doing this and, and three, three other generations, what are we forecasting next? I mean, the pandemic's here. We know it. We can't do anything about it. Um, you know, what are you saying to agents coming into the business now? I don't, you know, I don't know that I have a lot of conversations with people coming in. Um, but it doesn't matter. Like, this is a relationship business. All right? That's what it is. It's always been a relationship business. And so if you're new to the market, I basically, you know, based on reflection, I've I, I walked them through the steps that I didn't really have a ton of guidance on, but like, if I want to go back reflect, well, are you prepared to work half days, 7 a.m. to 7 p.m.? What does your current database look like? What are you doing with that database? How well are those connections? What's your genius zone? If I was to ask your database, would they know what your genius zone is? Um, how well do you know the market? How well are you being a student of the market? Um, what are you doing like in that eight hour period of time? Like, I'm not going to make it light. Like, that's the one thing. And you know this very well. Like, I didn't get handouts through that process. And I didn't. And I and so when people are like, well, you know, I, I, I relocated from an hour away. Good for you, man. I, I went from a different state. What does that have to do with it? When, you're, when you use things like that, you have predetermined that the excuse is okay of why you're not succeeding and it's BS. Right. That's all it is. It's a story that you're telling yourself to protect yourself that if it doesn't work out, that you're going to be okay. And until you, until you start to get to the point in your life where you can start divorcing those stories to marry the truth, you'll stay where you're at. Right? So... I don't act like it's easy. I want them to know that, you know, in order to learn what you, the, the things, I am where I'm at because of wisdom and mistakes and the willingness at the time of not to quit and stop when it got so hard and so severe that most people would have given up. Right. So I just, I don't care about what you're willing to do on a good day. I want to know what you're willing to do on the day that you don't want to do this anymore because that's the defining moment of how well you're going to follow through and how well you'll actually be able to get inside of people and help them. Cause when you can get inside yourself and you can grow yourself, you'll be able to help other people do it. Can't, can't give what you don't have. I think, I think Diana used to say that to us, right? Is you can't give what you don't have. And, and, and I love that you're saying that. I mean, it, it's, it sounds simple, right? I mean, whether I'm brand new or been in the industry for a while or whatever it is, I, my forecast, I'm looking at 2021 and it's, it's going to be a dogfight. I, I don't see this thing letting up. I don't see it getting any easier. 
yes, a lot of people are having great years, but, but th this is going to show up at some point over the next 12 to 18 months. Mm -hmm. What are we preparing for? Like, what do, what do we, sh what should we be looking at? What should we be transitioning into? Do you, do you keep cutting expenses? Do you spend hard? Like, what do you do next? I would say, you know, from being a student of the game, you better dig yourself severely into the MREA, into the shift and into the one thing, because those are the answers inside there. If you slow down and pay attention, right? Um, what do I say? I, I would say surround yourself with five people that actually won't let you off the hook and believe in you. I would say that you got to work harder on yourself than you do on anything else. I would say that you better be uh, the economist of choice without any excuses. And, and that's the challenge, right? Like is, is in order to get yourself through this, you may have to, you may have to make decisions and change relationships that are uncomfortable. And so you better get really good at being uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, you know, we had somebody else on and, and they sort of mentioned the same thing and they sort of, I think they said, you know, they looked at the five people around them, decided they weren't the five people they wanted and, and basically went and got new friends. Are you that, are you thinking that cutthroat? Like if it, if it doesn't work, go get some new friends or are we just talking business relationships? Um, the key relationships and key relationships don't have to be personal relationships. That's the difference, right? Like if you, like who are your five wealth determiners or who are the, you are the sum of the five people that you're around that may shift because of who you've been getting advice from. That doesn't mean that, you know, you cut them completely out of your life. It may mean that you're spending a lot less time with them and more time with the ones that are, you know, that are challenging you at a different level. Like, ideally, we're always, we want to be the dumbest person in the room. That's the fastest way to growth. And it's pretty uncomfortable when you do that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I mean, with tech, with tech changing everything, are you, are you of that belief that, that you know, tech, tech's coming in, you know, everyone's trying to make us the next blockbuster, you know, they're trying to take our job away, take our industry away. And you're hearing it. And, and a lot of agents, I don't even think have realized that this is happening yet and how important that database and that relationship is. And, and I said this to someone the other day, it, it almost feels, and, and I wasn't in real estate when this happened, but it almost feels like we're going backwards to like 1990s, 1980s real estate, where you had the book, they had to come to you for everything. And you almost want to create sort of your own blue ocean with your clients and with your people that you're there, you're the person they come to for everything. I need a contractor. I'm coming to coming to Craig. I need this. I'm coming to you so that they stay there and they're not on Zillow's website or Redfin's website looking for data. Is that, is that pretty well in alignment with everything you're hearing? Yeah. I mean, use, there's a way to use technology to your advantage to be able to deliver the consumer, the information that they're looking for. Right. Like, so you use it to your advantage, but you're using that to your advantage because you're digging deeper in that relationship to getting understanding of what it is that they actually need to help them make great decisions, right? So if I'm looking at that perspective, it still goes back to your value proposition. What makes you, like, what makes you unique and different from everybody else? How are you not a commodity, right? Yeah. What, what are you doing to go above and beyond? And most of that, Andre, is the foundational pieces of, uh, that some of the things that made us lazy, right? Like, Hey, an MLS comes in, into the equation. The internet comes into the equation that some of those pieces stopped us from picking up the phone, developing relationships, figuring out, you know, when they do plan on making their next move, no matter if it's five years or 10 years down the road and the significance of it, what would cause it. Like strip all that away. And the root of all of this has to do with the depth of the relationship and the experience that you can personally create, right? Build deeper relationships with the people, create better experiences that technology cannot do, and you'll have better results. But there's no easy button to that. There's no skipping steps when that comes, right? Like going deeper requires time. And that, that's how a lot of people equate, you know, like the, the C-A-R-E word care is usually reflective of T-I-M-E, time. Right, right. And, and I, I remember you saying that earlier, at the, you know, start of the year where we were going, or I think it was in September, I heard that one from you for the first time. You know, the, the level at which we care is how much time we give to people or, or a version of that. I'm probably screwing it up. But, you know, when you look at value proposition, 
isn't it getting harder and harder to sort of cement what that is in, in a climate like this where we're virtual, we're tech enabled, um, you know, all the information our clients need is, is somewhere. If we don't have it, they can find it without us. How are you creating, how are you setting yourself apart or how would you advise someone to kind of set themselves apart in, in this sort of climate? Do, do the necessary activities that would create a handwritten note Right, like you want to talk about go back to the foundation, go back to like, hey, potentially what your grandmother's did, or your or your mother's did, or your father's did, or your grandfather's did. Um, have a have a have a depth enough conversation that you could actually pull out a note card and say thank you for you know taking the time. Is something that sounds um, too basic or or not enough not enough depth in order for it to work. And I can tell you that when you slow down well enough to know the people well enough, right? Like, can you actually open up your database and say, go, go each, take out each name and say, you know, how big is their family? How many kids do they have? What do they do for work? What do they do for fun? Could you follow the Ford script or the Ford acronym next to those people? And most, and they can't, right? The, the truth is, is they can't. And it's because they always want more and they want more and they want more and they want more. And they're not taking advantage of what they have right underneath their feet. Like that big, that book, Acres of Diamonds. Everything that you need is right underneath you. You don't need to go anywhere else. You just need to go deeper where you're at. So you wouldn't, you wouldn't go spending, you know, dropping all your money into online leads and hoping for the best? Well, I'm past the hoping for the best in anything, right? Like that's the last resort. And so, no, I mean, I would have a, like you can just go back to what Gary's going to say is you're going to have your pillars of business, right? And make sure that you're getting, you need to demand what your expect, your, your expectation of what you're going to get out of the database. But that expectation actually comes from you. It doesn't come from them. Like, what are you going to do differently? How are you going to communicate differently? When was the last time you picked up the phone? Like I, I hear these teams that have all these great strategies about what they're going to do. And it's a simple question. Did you ask your clients what they're looking for? Did you ask your database the information that they're looking for? Because if you didn't do that, you're wasting, you're wasting time. It doesn't matter what another team is doing. It doesn't matter about their great ideas. Ask them if they've implemented on those great ideas for the last two, three, four, five years and what those results were and what, and what the profitability of it was. Right? That, that's the key is... They probably don't know. Why don't you pick up the phone and ask them what they think about real estate, what they think about the industry, what changes that they would like to see made, what information that they would like to see delivered to them, and then come back after you've had those conversations and say, here's the, here's the common theme about what we learned, and now we can make a great decision about how to dial this in and move forward versus wasting everybody's time because you all think it's a great idea and none of you have asked the consumer. <laughs> Is that, that, that's your mic drop moment. I think you just had it. That's awesome. Thanks, Greg. Well, I mean, everything, everything through this process today with you has, has come back every single time to, to passion and relationship. And I keep hearing that over and over and over again. And, and I think that's the, that's going to be the key going forward is, are we building enough relationships on a day-to-day -day basis to make ourselves valuable? Yeah, I would say in the, you know, understanding the relationship at the deepest level, you know, knowing and understanding that if you're not willing to pick up the phone and call them, you have to ask yourself, is it truly call reluctance or is it value deficiency? Because anybody that has the value that somebody else would want, most of the time isn't going to have call reluctance. You know what I mean? Yeah, I get you. Right. And so, so going deeper with, going deeper with the, the relationships, um, and I, I can talk about this type of stuff all day long, man. It's just, it's more simple than what people are, are making it out to be. That, it's simple, not easy, right? Um, it's simple. And if you do it, it becomes easier, right? That's the whole thing is everything was hard in the beginning. Everything, everything that you did was hard the first time that you did it. It, it becomes easier the better that you get at it. So if, if, if you're going to be the best, like that's what I don't understand. If you're going to do this, why don't you be the best? At least be, if you're not willing to be the best for yourself, be the best for the consumer. That's powerful. Right? And so if you break that down into a couple different areas, it's, 
it's usually database or your schedule or your skill set. It's one of those three areas. Say that again. It's either your database, your schedule, or your skill set. It's in one of those three areas that you can always find the issue. And find the issue and the solution. Absolutely. It's not, yeah, you're right. Because basically that's where the, oppor the opportunities lie there, right? Like, you know, how much business have you created X? Most, it's very rare that you can find an organization that couldn't have doubled that or tripled that if they would spend more time, you know, shrinking the holes in the size of their net versus attempting to expand the size of their net, right? Like, I got you. I feel you're like you're talking to me right now. <laughs> well, again, though, if we're saying your business grows to the extent that you do and you're working harder on yourself than you are on your business, then you should be working on your skill set one to two hours a day. You should be sharpening your axe because you're doing that for the consumer. And, and when you do that, everything else becomes easier. I love that. I love it. That, that, that is powerful. I, I took so many pages of notes as, as per usual. Craig, thank you so much. Um, where, where do we get, I mean, if, if someone's looking to get a little bit more of this information, where do you, where are you pointing them to? What, what resources should they be looking at? And, uh, you know, how, how do we help agents understand that, that this is still a relationship game? By developing a, a partnership and a relationship with somebody that can actually help you see this from 30,000 feet, help you get clarity on why you're doing this in the first place, and then remind you when things get tough of why you were doing it and help you through it, which would mean you should have a partner. You should have a coaching partner. You should have some, somebody. So whether you're reaching out to, you know, mapscoaching.com or if somebody's listening to this and they want to they want to know a little bit about more what that opportunity would actually look like they can reach out you know coach at zubergroup.com I'm, I'm happy to help in any capacity well and i get asked all the time right i mean how, how do i pick a coach how did you end up with craig and i was like i, I begged and i probably shouldn't have been in the schedule i was probably the lowest lowest man on the totem pole at that point in time but but how are you picking when you say finding the right partner what what are you looking for? I mean, I, I think I lucked out getting in your schedule, but what's somebody else going to do? I mean, if they can't get into a Zuber schedule, how are you identifying the right coach for you? Um, that's a great question. I would say, look, it's not about getting into like this person's schedule or that person's schedule. You, you would need to know what their strength zones are and what you're actually looking to accomplish and whether they specialize that in that or not. Right, like when you're newer into the industry, most people learn from experience. Most people are experiential learners. Right, it means you got to start experiencing some things before you figure it out. Right, like for me to say, well, you know, who's in my schedule today versus who was in my schedule five years ago, you know, you don't know that until you start putting them in. Like as a new agent, you don't know that you probably don't spend enough time figuring out who your velvet rope is. Right, like who your absolute ideal client is. Right. Like, and I mean that wholeheartedly, if you would spend enough time, there's a, there's this book out there. It's called book yourself solid and book yourself solid helps you with the red carpet aspect of getting so crystal clear and on, on like a value match and everything else. I will tell you that a book like that will do it. The process of me writing my first book, that was the one thing I will tell you that helped me through so much when it came to that was you don't write a book at least I didn't do this exercise to an entire audience. I had to shrink it down to a person. I had to get it all the way down to the age group. That, like, so I'm looking at age group and the car, kind of car they drive and how much money they make and whether they own a house, whether they don't own a house, like a 90 pay or 90 thing checklist. Right. And when, when it boiled down at that moment in time, it became easy. I'm writing, I was writing that to the 10 year version of myself. Let's just be crystal clear. Like I, that's what I was writing myself to. And it was relatable at that moment in time. And so when you do that, right, like when your values are clear, decisions are easy, spend more time on knowing what those are. And when you become a, a value match to people, you want to be around them, right. right? I mean, the the best businesses that I know are more, they say, they say no more than they say yes. They just don't say it in an N-O phrase. It's just, you know, in order to get here, you need to do this. It's called 
I don't know, pre-qualification, setting expectations, weird things like that. <laughs> I love that right behind you, you know, for, for anyone listening, right behind Craig, it says clarity is power. And I, I know you've drilled that in, into my skull for the last nine months. I think I've heard clarity on every single time we've talked. And, and that's effectively what we just mentioned again, right? Is just get really clear about what you want, what you'll stand for and where you're headed. That's right. And, and it, you know, it, it's, uh, it's hard to do that. I never make light of that. It is really hard to do it, right? It's, when you make hard decisions up front, you have an easier life. Hard decisions, easy life. If you skip up front and you make an easy decision, statistically, you're going to have a hard life behind it. So every time we skip a step, it will catch up to you and make everything harder. So it's better to face the, you know, it's better to face the lion right out of the gate than it is to like delay gratification and get your butt kicked. Got it. Got it. Guys, Craig, this was absolutely incredible. Thank you so much for being on the show. I know we're out of time and there's so much more I want to ask. We're going to have to bring you back in, in 2021. Um, guys, if you're looking to get a hold of Craig, reach out to that email that he mentioned or track us down on Instagram, Facebook, social media, the Real Estate Hustle Podcast. Craig, anything else you want to leave us with? Any, any mic drops left in you before we sign off today? No, man. Again, just, just, Wake up every morning and, and make sure that you just improve the person in the mirror just a, a tiny bit better every day, right? Like the, the, the success of most of the people that you see, or if you see them, you know, it, most people want where they're at, but they're not willing to do what they did in order to get to that spot. And it's everything in the life for the most part happens gradually and then suddenly. So it's not necessarily about the overall result. It's about the progress that you make, right? And, and executing daily. So if I was to leave you with something, it's, you know, a plan is great, you know, or, or planning is freaking awesome because it causes you to think about specific things. The plan could alter quickly though, right? So that's why we execute. And after you execute, you reflect because the learning comes from the reflection. It doesn't necessarily come from the action. So first you execute, then you reflect, then you adjust. After you reflect, you make the minor adjustment if needed. And then you rinse and repeat. Wow. Thank you. My pleasure, man. Always, always a pleasure. I appreciate the partnership, appreciate the opportunity. And if there's anything else I could do for you, just let me know. Uh, that, was, that was phenomenal. Thank you so much for being on. And again, guys, you know, make sure you look Craig up. And, and if you haven't been taking notes, go back and listen to this one again, get your notepad out. I'm at, I'm at 10 pages of notes almost here. So thank you so much. It's, it's been incredible. And uh, I learned a lot. Thank you, Craig. All right. Happy holidays. Same to you. Take care. Bye-bye.